It's the last Sunday of 2017. Has 2017 gone by a little bit too fast for you? Yeah? Now, like with Facebook, Facebook has one of those weird features where it likes to give you pictures that you posted from the previous year, right? You, you guys see that? Well, it was showing me mine from last January, and it was amazing. I was like, oh my, I mean, I'm not sure like what it is, but like this year just feels like it flew by for me. It went way too fast. And what happens with, with life is this. If we're not careful, we can be alive but not living. Does that make sense to you at all? We can be breathing, thinking, you know, eating, sleeping, but just floating through life, right? Um, there's something about life where if we're not intentional, if we're not on purpose, other things will begin to take the wheel of our life. Um, as I was praying about this morning and, and as, as I was kind of thinking through all the different details I, I wanted to cover with you guys, I kind of had this image of what we're talking about. This is this, this morning, is a practice called reflection. It's something that I think we're going to do um, each year here at Grace on the last Sunday of every year. I think it's going to be really special um, when we get the rest of the church to kind of jump in on it with us, right? Okay, there's only like 20 of us, so like, you guys really got to like interact with me a little bit, right? <laughs> if you guys made it here, surely you guys have enough energy, right, and spunk, okay? Hey, like the Razorbacks one, did you guys watch that? Okay. Yeah. What? Stephanie, oh my Lord, that is just, we're actually winning games and you're, you're heckling. Who are you a fan of? All right, so we are taking this year to evaluate our lives, all right? Oh God, okay, great. Congratulations, be blessed, go home. Um, just kidding. So what we're doing, so in this process, we reflect, meaning we examine our lives. We choose to look at our lives, to, um, to slow down so that when it's time, we can actually begin to speed up. I'm not sure if that makes any sense to you. In life, sometimes we have to, to really slow things down more so that we can get going in the right direction. Um, I know whenever we go on road trips, I hate to, I hate to pull over. Even if we're lost, I just want her to find the directions while I'm driving. Does that make sense to anybody else? <laughs> Which you do sometimes, right? Because it's like, okay, she says this to me all the time, Devin, just, just wait in the parking lot until I get directions, correct? And then you can drive. But I'm like, no, 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 we need to just get moving. We need to get going, right? And so what I love to do is just to, you know, just to kind of just go just fast enough in the parking lot to where it kind of throws off the GPS. You know what I'm talking about? And so it has the route, but then like when you actually turn on the road, it, it thought you were on the other side of the parking lot. You, you know what I'm talking about? And so what ends up happening is if you don't slow down just enough to set your course, yes, you end up doing what? Getting lost, wasting time, wasting gas, wasting resources, starting fights in the car, correct? Yeah. Um, and so what happens in life, it's the same thing. Sometimes we have to kind of slow down just enough to set our course again, right? And so what happens here in this practice is every year I want us to, uh, as a church body, as families, as uh, followers of Christ, we're going to slow down on this Sunday every year to kind of reflect on our year. What, uh, where have we been? 
Where are we wanting to go? How do we get to the place we're wanting to go? And so this practice of uh, reflection or examination is, I think, something very important uh, for a Christian. The reason it's important for a Christian is this. It's because as Christians, we have this one central theme. And it's that our entire lives will be built and centered upon Christ. Correct? And what happens is if we're not intentional, if we don't make sure that that's where our lives are, other things will become the center of our lives. Um, there's a quote that's it's one of my favorites. It says this. It's by Socrates. You guys ever heard of Socrates? Famous saint of the church, correct? He said this. The unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. I think I read that when I was 12. I mean, it just it, it hit home with me when I was 12. So you can already imagine. I've been doing, like, I'm all about sitting down to reflect. Uh, it's a practice I've been doing for many years. But, uh, but recently, I found some, uh, some of the church leaders who do it in a really kind of interesting way. I want to try, try this with us this morning. But this is the heart of it. That the unexamined life is not really living at all. If we're not intentional with life, we're not truly living life. We're just floating through life. Um, the analogy for this that I, that I got when I was thinking and praying about it was, you know, there was a time prior to GPS, okay? There was a time when you couldn't just put it into your phone. Um, who remembers MapQuest, Okay, so like, well, so what happened is if, if, you're, if you're on a trip, say in Dallas or Chicago, you would go down to the hotel lobby, you print out your instructions before you left. Okay, if you didn't do that, you're in trouble. Or even pre-MapQuest, you had the McNally Road Atlas. It's like a big book, you know what I'm talking about? And like, it was just large enough to where there's no way to have your hands on the steering wheel and have it open, correct? <laughs> it's beautiful, right? Um, <laughs> good. Now, Way back prior to that even, okay, let's go back to ancient times with sailing, right? The art of navigation. The most consistent way that people found their way around the world was using the stars, correct? And what's interesting about this is you could not necessarily set your course during the daylight. On certain days you could. But the most trustworthy time for you to navigate, to set your course, to figure out where you are, and to orient yourself so that you are going where you want to go is at night. Now, what's beautiful about that analogy for us this morning is that there is an importance for us to have a time in our life with the least distractions. We put ourselves in a space to where we're not being distracted or hindered. Our vision is clear. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to use questions. Questions are going to serve almost like darkness for us. Questions are going to help kind of push out all the distractions. And then what we're going to do is the answers of our questions are going to serve as our values, if that makes any sense to you. Meaning, what means most to you? What do you want your life to be kind of directed by? And again, if, if you can picture it, well, we're all in this beautiful boat, or you're all in your own little, you know, schooners, Okay. It's probably better when you're some introverts. It's the first service. Okay. So, like, you know, we're all kind of in our own little boats. And what happens is the values, the things that we care about most in life, these are the stars. Does that make sense? This is how we know where we are. Here is what I want my life to be centered on. Christ, on my family, 
on the calling God has in my life. This is what I want my life to look like. This is what I want my energy and my time to go to. And so with these bearings, if you would, with these, with the stars to kind of set course to know what's up and what's down, then we're going to begin to set a course, meaning we're going to decide how to get there. If I, if I want to go from here to there, what do I have to do? And so we're going to kind of set a course, a plan for our lives, how to use our time, our energy, our relationships, our giftings to get to where we want to go. Now, the reason this is so important is this, okay, with the same analogy of sailing, right? Who's actually been um, in the ocean? Anybody? Okay. Is the water always calm? Even when the water is calm, does a boat just sit still? It is always moving, right? Because see, in the ocean, there are always forces that are moving on. There's always tides or currents. There's always waves. There's always an undercurrent. There's always wind. There's something that's always moving the vessel. And so what happens in life is this. If you're not setting a course, if you're not intentionally going from here to there, you will be going somewhere. But it's not you who's moving yourself there. I'll say it again. If you are not the one who is moving yourself, if you are not intentionally allowing the Spirit of God to sail you somewhere, to, to lead you, push you somewhere, other forces in your life are moving you. Okay? If you look at your life, what are some of the words that, that you would use to describe it? Okay? Now, again, I'm not saying we all have bad lives. Your life can even be great. But most of us, life is busy. Life is hectic. Life is a blur. Who has children? Okay, enough said. Life is a blur, correct? It's, it's uh, what's that saying? The day is long, but the year is short, right? Like the, the day, the things you have to handle every day are so taxing that it wears you out. But your actual time, where you're going, what's being accomplished seems to fly by like this. These are why we have to take time to examine. We have to sit still for a moment, push away distractions, so we can reorient ourselves on the places we need to go. And again, if you're taking notes, this is big for you. If you are not intentionally going somewhere, you are being moved somewhere else. If you're not intentionally going somewhere, you are being moved somewhere else. And again, it can be by anything. It can be by circumstances, by, uh, by work, by relationships. It can be by anything in your life. But if you are not intentional with your life, you are being taken somewhere else. So the first step is this, what we have to do in this whole process. The way that we stop being adrift, the way that we kind of catch our bearings, the first thing is this, we use questions. Questions, in my office, whenever we do counseling, uh, I do a lot more listening than talking. But when I do talk, I use questions. And the reason I want to use questions is, even if I know what's going on in the person's situation, even if I know possibly the right answer that they need. What they need to do is to discover it from themselves, correct? Have you ever had someone who's, just, who's telling you the right thing, but you just don't care? That's everyone in the room, okay? Uh, don't eat crappy food, right? Do you care? <laughs> Some of us, right? On a good day, right? We should all exercise, correct? Okay. Again, you know, there are things that we just know make sense, but 
Yeah, okay. You probably shouldn't go driving on the road to church when it's icy outside, but you don't care. Correct. Okay. You shouldn't be in large crowds when everyone has the flu. Amen. But you don't care. Okay. But you are kind of spaced a little bit. That's good. That's smart. There's something about discovering it on our own that we have to do. And questions are the best tools for us to find it on our own. So what happens with questions is this. We just begin to ask ourselves questions to focus us, to get us to, to see things from angles we haven't seen before. Now, again, the questions can be anything, and I encourage you to kind of find the questions that work best for you. But every year I have certain questions I ask myself. And here's a few of them that I ask myself. Here's my favorite. Who or what has received your best in 2017? Who or what has received your best? Has your spouse received your best? Have your children received your best? Has God received your best? Has your ministry or the church received your best? Has work received your best? Have you received your best? That's a hard one for most of us. Have you received your best? Have you been caring for, taking care of yourself? Heck, I think that question for me almost answers all of them. Where has the majority of your money time, energy, passion, thought life, where has it gone? Kids and work. Where has the majority of what you have to offer, of, of what you bring to life, where has it gone? Where has it been directed? One of the worst answers to this is if you can't answer it. If you can't highlight one or two things that has gotten the most of your energy, your time, your money, your, your passion, then that's a problem because if it's not going somewhere, going what? Everywhere, which is code for nowhere. Correct? Again, if we're not intentional, that means that other things, we're just, being, we're just floating, we're drifting. How healthy are your most important relationships? How healthy are your most important relationships? The relationships in your life that you know that God has put there to support you, and that you have been put in their life to support them. How healthy are these relationships? With your spouses, with your children, with family, with friends, with mentors, with people who you are mentoring, how healthy are these relationships? And again, all these questions will kind of intertwine. The healthiest relationships are the ones who have what? Received your best, right? The ones who have received your best have received the majority of your time, energy, your thought life, your passion, correct? It's all going to intertwine, okay? I don't really care what questions you ask yourself, but if you ask yourself decent questions, they're all going to find, it's all going to lead you back to the same space. It's going to show you what your priorities have been. Now, there's a difference between our values and our priorities. Our values are the things that emotionally, mentally, we want to matter most, okay? I want Christ to matter most in my life. But when I evaluate my life, who has gotten the best of me, who's gotten my time, my energy, all these different things, my emotions, my thought life, is the answer going to be Christ? Okay, answered, right? No, <laughs> correct? The answer is going to be no, right? Who's gotten the most of me? The, the majority of the answer is going to be this. If you have children, it might be children. If it's going to be work, it's going to be work. Few of you are going to say spouses. Even fewer of you are going to say God or your, anything like that. 
And so the difference between our values and our priorities is our values are what we know should matter most, but our priorities are what we have allowed to become the most. Again, we can say that, that were you guys all taught when you were growing up in church that it was God, family, work, right? Were you guys taught that? Who actually lives that? Amen. Amen. Two brave souls in the room, right? Amen. I love that. We're taught that, but yet everything about our environment tells us the opposite, correct? Everything about the world tells us, no, 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 no. We work, and then family, and then whatever is left gets put on the shelf with God, correct? This is why we have to, to reorient. So the first question, the first thing we do, we ask ourselves questions. This is what, if you would, it's almost like the questions are what allow our setting to become like night, just like we're navigating a ship. It's the questions that kind of push out all the distraction, allow us to see through our situation what is really happening right now in our lives. So once we ask questions, the next thing we're going to get is clarity. Now, our, our answers will reveal what our priorities have been and what changes must take place in order to put the things that we desire to first. Now, here's the fun stuff, okay? We'll have all sorts of notes on the screen to help you with this. Here are, some, here are four spaces. Here are the four primary areas or spaces in your life that need to be prioritized, meaning here are the four areas of your life that you need to make sure that you are ordering correctly. You're being intentional with what you put into them. The first one is this, prayer. Now, what prayer is kind of symbolic of, it's a, it's a short term. We're talking about when we say prayer, we're talking about tending to God. Do you know what tending means? Tending, uh, to care for. Like, it, it comes from the word, uh, how you put this? Um, the roots of it are like when a nurse goes to tend to someone who's sick, correct? You're caring for them, right? You're meeting their needs. Does that make sense to you? So to tend is to meet their needs, all right? And so for us to tend to something means we're going to care it. We're going to give it care. We're going to give it attention. And so the, the first space for us in how we order our lives is prayer, meaning how we tend to God, how we give God attention. Now, what's important about this with prayer is this is where we acknowledge our dependence upon God. If this relationship is not tended, if it doesn't have our attention, if we don't meet its needs, all others will suffer. Now, we all know this up here, correct? Right? Yeah, we all know this. We've been taught a million times. Our relationship with God is the most important, correct? Oh, good. Okay, it feels good to move a little bit, right? Okay, feels good. We've been, we've been told this, we've been taught this, but we do not live this. We don't model this, correct? So in this one, it's not necessarily that we're meeting God's needs. It's actually the inverse. It's really that in this space, God is meeting our needs, but it looks like us tending to God. Now, understand this. I need you to change the way you think about spiritual things. You are not going into prayer to lift spiritual weights. Do you hear me? Okay? Like, you can't log five hours of, of you know, prayer push-ups and come out that much spiritually stronger. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay. Like, you know, you can't go in to do, you know, you know fasting squat rack, okay? And then come out so much spiritually stronger. It doesn't work that way. It's... it's it's what we call mystical, meaning we don't know exactly how it happens. What happens is this. We are made Christ-like not by our actions or work, but by being united with Christ. Does that make sense? Now, in the Scriptures, the word for that is abide. Uh, in John 15, 
Uh, he even says this, if you abide, if you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. And of course, the fruit he's talking about like, is the kingdom, Christ-likeness. The, the, the effort that we do is we enter into the space, meaning, uh, how do I say this? My date night does not guarantee that my marriage is going to be healthy. But what, I can't guarantee the outcome. What I can do is I can make space in my life. I can enter into a space where there's possibility for my marriage to strengthen. Okay, um, who's been on dates with their spouse that were terrific? Who's been on dates with their spouse that were awful? There you go. Okay. You're entering into the space because in the space there is a possibility. When I sit down at the table with my spouse, I'm opening up the possibility for something to happen. Okay? That is what prayer is. That's what happens when you go to the Scriptures, what happens when you fast, what happens when you come to church. These are spaces that we enter into because there is a possibility that something supernatural happens. You cannot make yourself more Christ-like. That only happens whenever Christ fills you, touches you, transforms you, when you encounter God. This is the whole you know, series I could teach. But, um, but our job in this is to make sure that we are making space in our lives, okay? Just like your date night, okay? I'm making sure that this space doesn't get filled by anything else, and then I'm going to enter into it and see what happens. Okay, now a question to ask yourself when you're trying to figure out how do I make space? How do I tend to? How do I pay attention to God? Uh, a question is this. What are the spiritual disciplines or practices that you need to anchor your life in God? What spiritual practices do you need to anchor you in God? There are the basics, right? We talk about Scripture, we talk about the Spirit, and we talk about solitude, meaning there is the place where we get alone with God's Word. There's a place where we get alone with God, whether it's prayer, whether it's walking, whether it's silence. And there's a place with solitude, meaning where we withdraw from other distractions. Now, solitude means that we pull away from other things in order to be present with someone else. My date night is my solitude with my wife. I'm not, solitude is not going to be alone. Solitude is going to be alone with someone else. Does that make sense? And so what we do with solitude in our time with God is we pull away from the distractions to be present with God. So we are absent from everyone else to be present with someone else. Does that make sense? Connecting with you? And so what you need to do in this space is find out what are the ways that you need to be absent in the world to be present to God. Now, for me, an example of my goals, I'm going to make sure that I journal once a week. I hate journaling. It feels very stupid and silly. I hate my own thoughts. I don't like to, to see my thoughts ramble. But there's something about rambling with my pen. There are words and thoughts and emotions that slip out on paper that don't come out when I'm talking. Okay, when you guys pray, there is a process of praying where we, even though you're speaking, most of us, you're thinking about what you speak before you speak it. Most of you. The rest of you, okay, we can counsel. I'm sure you've caused some issues for yourself, correct? Okay, we think before we speak, and so there's, there's a filter sometimes on the things that we pray, things that we allow ourselves to share with God. And so when I journal what I'm doing, it's almost like I'm, I'm trying to journal fast enough that I'm going faster than I can filter. Does that make sense to you? And so what happens is as I'm going, things just start to slip out, and I go, Oh, 
I didn't know I felt that. I didn't know I thought that. I didn't know that's something that was in there. And so with me, journaling is a way that I pull away from everything else and I allow myself to be present with God in a space where there is a potential for special things to happen with God. Okay? What are those things you need to do? Do you need to take a walk every morning? Do you need to, you know, have breakfast, you know, before everyone wakes up and spend time with the Lord? Do you need to stay up before everyone goes to sleep? Do you need to, you know, have that 10 minutes in your car before you go into work? How do you need to be with God in order for you to pay attention to Him in your day? Something I did last year, um, one of my practices from last year, was taking about a minute to savor my meal. So what I would do is this. So, I, you know, I, I meet with lots of people in the church. So we'd be sitting at, you know, at a coffee shop, whatever. And when the coffee would come, I would take about 30 seconds to a minute. I'd smell it. And, and of course, I've been doing this. Like, they think I'm absolutely crazy. And I just... And it was, it, was, it was amazing how that coffee became a centering point. And it allowed me to pay attention to God the rest of that time. Does that make sense? You slow down so that you can begin to move, right? And I slow myself down so that as I move forward, I'm moving forward sensitive to God, paying attention to Him, tending to Him. What things do you need to do to tend to God in this next year, okay? For me, I like to do things daily. So I have a goal daily, I have a goal weekly, a goal monthly, okay? And that's just kind of the way I like to do it. You don't have to do it that way, but it works for me. Here's the next one, rest. So the, the first section of our lives, first space we need to, to allow God to move in our lives is, is, is prayer, meaning tending to God. The next one is this, rest, tending to yourself. This sounds selfish, but here's, here's the truth. If you haven't learned it, you need to learn it. It's this, you cannot give what you do not have. I have a lot of leaders in the church who have so much potential, and they're ready to run. Hey, just let me lead. You're not ready just yet. Just a few more, just slow down, because we have to make sure that we're filled, charged, and before we begin to pour out. You cannot give what you don't have. And one of the things I'm learning as I pastor is how to slow my schedule down more and more and more to take care of myself. Because if I wear myself out, what do I have to offer? Nothing, brother. He's like, man, you were terrible that last breakfast we had. Nothing. Here's the importance here. This is where we accept that if we do not um, take care of ourselves, we will have nothing left to offer others. Here's the key question to ask yourselves. As you're trying to figure out what are the best ways for me to tend to myself, to pay attention to myself, to take care of myself, uh, what are the practices of self-care that you need in order to take care of your body and your soul? Meaning, what, are, what things do you do that just bring life into you? For me, like reading is a big thing. Um, but it's controlling what I read. I hate to be told what to read. So I'm in school right now. I'm working on a graduate degree. I hate it. They tell me what to read. I get nothing out of it. What I need is to, to say, no, I, I, I'm not sure what's going on there. It's probably something very unhealthy emotionally in me, but I just need to say, no, I want to do this, <laughs> not that. Yeah, that's pretty immature. Probably need some counseling too. That's okay. For me, I need space to kind of pick up things that just kind of get my mind going. I need to be interested in things. When I preach, my worst sermons are ones that I'm bored with. If there's something I'm just not interested, it's going to come across awful. I need to find things that just kind of spark my mind and get me going. If you wonder why the sermon titles and topics are so controversial, it's because I need it to be interesting. Or else I won't be interested. 
and you don't want me to be uninterested, okay? And so for me, I need to read things constantly. I need input. I need to hear creative ideas and passionate people to kind of feel myself. Uh, one of the other things I need, I need to exercise. I don't know. I need it. I learned early on it's a stress relief for me. It's a space where I can put my headphones in. I don't have to, you know, tend to other people. In the gym, I don't want to talk to people. Be blessed over there. Mr. Gage prays for me when he sees me. He's like, man, he looks like he's in trouble. He's always over there. That guy looks angry. You know, trying to get it all out, you know. Um, But one of my goals for this year is this. I plan to play basketball once a month. Now, that is a big deal for me. I haven't played since high school. I used to play. But it's something that makes me feel like I have life again. It's, it's playing, correct? It's some, like I'm not working. I'm not doing anything important. There's something about it that's so carefree that I need that. So I got myself some basketball shoes, the first pair I've had since high school, and I'm excited and kind of scared because I haven't done this in years. But it's one of the ways I'm going to tend to myself, take care of myself, make sure that I have, I have places in my life where I am being revived. I have energy, Right? We call snacks refreshments, right? It comes from that concept. This is going to bring life into me. It's going to refresh me. What are the things in your life that you do that refresh you? Are the people who you need to go out with coffee with every, um, every week? Are there activities? Are there hobbies? What can you do? What can you afford to do with your time, your energy, your resources that will bring life to you and make sure you're caring for yourself? Does that make sense? You got that one? Okay. Okay. Oh, you just wait, brother. You don't want none of this, man. All right. Uh, the the, the uh, third space, relationships. So the first one is prayer. We're, taking, we're tending to God. We're giving attention to God. The second one is rest. We're taking care of ourselves. We're making sure we have self-care. Our next one is relationships. We are caring for others. Okay. Now, in this one, here's the importance of it. This is where we allow others to support us as we also offer our support to them. Meaning, as Christians, we know that we have relationships that need to have two, how you put it, they need to be two-way. We are in their life to support them as they follow Christ, and they are in our life to support us. Now, this word support is crucial. I'll say this. This is where we find the relationships that we have to be vulnerable and we have to extend trust. You all have friends, Facebook friends. How about that? Okay? Like, we all have acquaintances, right? How many people do you have in your life that you extend trust to, that you make yourself vulnerable with? How many relationships in your life do you make safe for someone else to be vulnerable and to lean upon you? Now, we know that this is an intricate part of following Jesus, and again, we did all sorts of sermons on this. This is part of our spirituality, okay? Following Christ is about people, okay? And so all these practices are summed up, and of course, when Jesus sums up the law, and he says that all the law is summed up in loving the Lord your God with everything in you, and then loving your neighbor as you love yourself. See, we're summing all this up into these four quadrants, okay? And so what's happening here is we know that part of loving God is loving people. Where are we doing this in our lives, okay? Okay. Uh, Here's a, uh, here's a key question. When you're, when you're kind of finding out what practices do you need to do uh, in your relationships, here's a question for you guys. What relationships do you need in this season to support your growth? And who do you need to support as they grow? 
What relationships do you need in your life to support you as you grow? Meaning, is it mentors? Is it, is it having uh, peers? Meaning having a small group, having a service team, having whatever, having friends who follow Christ? Who is it you need to help you grow, to keep you accountable? And then who is it who you need to be pouring into to help them grow? If you are only doing one, if you're only pouring out or if you're only receiving, you are already unhealthy. Did you hear me? If you're only pouring out or you are only receiving, you are unhealthy, and you need to fix that this year. These are things that even I have to pay attention to. And so for myself, uh, one of the things I'm doing, uh, we're going to give Nisa a day to write each week. If you guys didn't know, she's writing a fiction book. Did you guys know that? She's a really good writer. Threw me for a loop because I'm a good writer, just not fiction. I hate fiction. I don't read fiction. I don't like fiction, but my wife is really good at fiction. So I now love fiction. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she writes her chapters. She gives them to me, and I'm like, oh, it's really great. It's really great, you know. <laughs> I read it, and I tell you you're a really good writer, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's a lot of fiction. <laughs> Woo! I'm supporting, as I said. So, like, or so, okay. So, so one of the people, again, who supports me in my, in my life, but I'm going to support her in hers as she follows Christ, is I'm going to make sure every Friday that I've got the kids so she can go spend time at a coffee shop and write. Do you see this? It is a space that I'm opening up potential for the Spirit of God to work in me and to work in her. Trust me, as I'm with the kids at home, that's a place for spiritual growth. <laughs> Amen? Okay. Here's the last one. Work, right? We can make any list we want to, but if we don't include the real parts of life, relationships and work, it's not a real list, okay? Work needs to be a space where we are tending to, not just responsibilities. When we talk about work, we are tending to our gifts and resources, okay? So when we talk about work, reorient yourself. Don't think about your, your office job or about, uh, you know, having to go out to the uh, construction site, okay? When we talk about work, we're talking about tending to, taking care of, being steward of the gifts God has given you and the resources he's put in your hands, meaning what has God given you to pour into other things, okay? This is the space we're talking about. Here's the importance of it. This is where we allot our gifts. Um, to allot is like to a portion. Um, so if I had 100 bucks, I would allot the money to you as I saw fit. Correct? Okay? Okay. So you have so much. Okay, you've only got so much time. You've only got, um, you know, so many giftings. You, you only have, you know, so much energy and strength and resources. Where are you going to spend it? Where are you going to allot what God has put inside of you? Okay? Uh, this is where we allot our gifts time and resources between earning income and serving the kingdom. You have two sources that need to be receiving your giftings and your resources. Now, again, we understand we have families and these things, but as far as things that we have to be intentional with our, our giftings and with our resources of time, energy, money, whatever it is, okay, contacts, uh, influence, okay, there is the practical space where we have to make sure that we are being good stewards, that we are using our resources and our giftings to earn income, correct? I mean, I'm not sure if you guys have just woken up and money was in the bank. If you found that, that special prayer out, I'd like to learn it, okay? 
So we do know we have this space. This is important. We have to tend to it. It needs our attention, correct? But there is the other side of it as well. Okay, so where have I invested myself in myself and taken care of my income? And now where am I pouring this out? Visualize it like this. Our income, if you would work, okay, the things we have to do to have a living, okay, this is where we use our giftings and resources for ourselves, right? Because we have to, right? We, you invest yourself in a work, in a job, in an occupation, and it pays you back, correct? The kingdom is where we pour it out without desiring to receive back. If God blesses us back, that's awesome, right? But the kingdom is where we give, correct? Over here, work is where we use our abilities and giftings for ourselves and for our family, and the kingdom is where we use our giftings and abilities for other families without desiring or expecting to receive back. You seeing that? How do you need to tend to that space? Where do you need to open up possibilities for God to move and to work in your life? What values, what matters most to you that isn't showing up in the way that you use your giftings and your resources? How much of your giftings in yourself, in your personality, in your mind, in your hands, how much have you used for yourself? How much have you used for the kingdom? How much of your time have you used for yourself? How much have you used for the kingdom? How much have your, of your resources and your influence, your contacts and your money has gone to yourself? How much has gone to your king? These are hard questions we have to ask ourselves. Now, you can't fix it overnight, Right? But we are setting a course. We're allowing our values. What do we know matters most? I know that these things matter more. I'm going to set my course this way. How do I get from here to there? Is it generosity? Is that something that, that, that you need to work on? Is it your calling? Are you someone who's always known that God had a plan for you and then something he called you to do, but you just never could give it the time? You're always just holding off on it. If you don't have any money, you know, you don't think you're very gifted or talented, what time do you have? What time have you been offering to God that you've been putting elsewhere? These are the spaces where we tend to things that God's called. So here's the, the key question we ask ourselves. What are the gifts, passions, and burdens uh, within that God wants you to express for the blessing of others? Meaning, what has God put in you that he wants you to put into other people? Okay. So uh, an example of my own, one of the things I do with my work, obviously it doesn't quite translate the same way, but for me, one of the things I do, every week I meet with people, but I want to be very intentional. I, I'm actually going to limit my meetings this year. I used to meet with about four people to six people a week. I'm going to pull that back to two intentionally. That's going to be a big deal. And, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to be intentional. I have two different types of meetings. Every week I'm going to meet with one person that is purely relational, meaning I'm not there to accomplish anything. We're just there to enjoy whatever it is we're doing. We're going to talk about the breeze, the Razorbacks, anything, whatever they want to do. We're just there to build our relationship. And then I'm going to have one meeting every week, which is developmental, which is code for get in line. I have a long list of those, okay? And so I'm going to make sure that I do not overload myself with one or the other. I'm going to make sure that I have both. Every single week, I'm going to be consistent. Every week, we're going to do this. We're going to put them in line. And it's also part of self-care. But again, it helps me just be intentional, making sure that I know this matters. I know that I could spend my entire day doing church business garbage. I know I could spend my entire day doing sermon prep. I could spend my entire day doing all sorts of other things. But I want to make sure 
because my values, because Christ tells me that people matter, I'm going to make sure I'm spending my time here at the coffee shop, in the hospital room, in the office, getting after people. Okay, I'm going to... If you get texts from me this week, okay, just... You're like, am I the relational meeting or am I the developmental meeting? And so, again, these are the different things that we need to, to kind of to work on. And, and so um, here's the last step to that. We've got our, like the, the four quadrants, okay? You've got your prayer, which is tending and paying attention to God. You've got rest, which is tending and taking care of yourself. You, you've got work, which is where we begin to take care and to be stewards of things God's given us, our giftings, our abilities. Are we sitting? Are we squandering the things God's put into our life? And then, of course, we have relationships where we care and tend to other people. And just the last thing I want to say about work, too, Remember this, you know, we are reminded in the Scriptures that we are responsible for how we handle the things that God's given us. Time, resources, and giftings. If we are sitting on them, we need to stop that. I'll say that as kind as I can. And then uh, here's the last things for us. You need to write this down. Go home. Go through these steps on your own. Write these things down. Have it on paper. Something about doing it on paper, whether you want to do it on your phone, that's fine too. Have it written down. Okay, here's how I'm going to prioritize God with, with my getting along with Him. Here's how I'm going to take care of myself. Here's how I'm going to take care of my relationships. Here's how I'm going to take care of the things God's given me, my resources, my time, my energy. And then after you, you write it down, pray over it. We talk about doing things prayerfully, which means being sensitive to God showing up. Sometimes Praying for me looks like thinking over the list, talking over the list to myself. And in that space, God will show me things and speak to me. Make sure that this is a spiritual thing you do. And here's the last thing, the hardest one. Find someone to share your list with. I'm almost done with mine. The next step for me is this. I'm going to find someone to hold me accountable. Do what? Yeah, we only know like small parts of my list. It's bigger, Okay. I was intentional things I shared, things I didn't share, right? I'm going to find someone to share my list with and say, I need you to be this person who comes to me and I come to you and we talk over my list. How have you been tending to to God, to yourself, to your relationships, to work? Um, It doesn't have to be a mentor. It it can be a peer. it It can be a friend. It can be someone in the body. But find someone to share your list with. There's something about knowing that these things are known by someone else that helps us stay engaged. Amen. Would you guys stay with me this morning?